This is Anthony Pascal. And this is Lori Elster, and this is the All Access Star Trek podcast. Today we are going to be reviewing Strange New Worlds Episode 5, Spock Amok. But first, we are going to start with the news as we always do. And this, uh, we just found out, I think, which is that Deep Space Nine is going to be leaving Netflix on July 1st, and it's the last of the Star Trek shows to leave. To leave any streaming network in the USA. And it's been a long time. CBS, when it was just CBS, was kind of an early adopter to licensing third-party stuff. And they were on Netflix in 2011, you know, way back when streaming was really just getting started. And even after they launched All Access a couple years later, they were still doing that and they were doing Hulu and they were doing Amazon Prime. And yeah, for a while, it was ev- everything was everywhere. Yeah. And starting last September, step by step by step, shows were leaving all of the streaming services. And it was really as licenses were lapsing. Some people think like, Netflix did this. It's the other way around. Like, yeah, <laughs> Paramount, and they're not pulling, they're just not renewing deals. And this was the last one as of July 1st in the USA. The only place you could stream Star Trek any of the shows is Paramount Plus. Which, you know, for all the people who say, you know, I don't want to pay for one show, now they won't be paying for one show. They'll be paying for a lot of shows. Yeah, I mean, there's a ton of stuff on Paramount Plus, and there's new new Star Trek, old Star Trek, and this is nothing new. You know, all the Marvel shows who are now on Disney Plus. I mean, you know, everyone's yeah, doing this, doing the same thing, moving all of their stuff over. Yeah. So yeah, that's going to be that for our friends overseas. The expansion of Paramount Plus, we do have some more news about the launch in the UK. It's coming on the twenty second, and. The good news, or maybe mixed news, is it will yeah, launch with, mixed. with three episodes of Strange New Worlds on June 22nd. Now, that's in three weeks, so th- that'll be the same week the USA gets episode eight. And so, basically, the UK is going to be five weeks behind, because as more episodes drop in the US, more episodes will be dropping in the UK every Wednesday but they'll be a few weeks behind. We don't know whether that's going to continue in the future. Probably not, is my guess. Yeah, I would assume they'll want it. They'll sync it up. And also, I mean, it's it really sucks, I think, for all those people on social because they see everyone talking about the shows that they can't get yet. Yes. And, you know, we have listeners to this podcast who have the same thing. I'm surprised. Like, I've read comments from people in the UK who listen to our whole podcast. They because, you know, we do warn you about the spoilers, but they still listen and hear everything we have to say. Oh, and my. Read the recaps um, on the site uh, f- for something they won't be able to see for weeks. I, I don't know. I I mean, I guess the lust for spoilers is out there, but I, I, I don't get that myself. I, yeah, I, I'm I, always I, like covering my ears going, don't tell me, don't tell me, don't tell me. So... <laughs> You know, I I would find that pretty frustrating, but I'm glad that people are listening and enjoying it. So, hello, people yeah. who are listening and don't and haven't seen the sh- the shows. Hi. <laughs> uh, other good news: Prodigy will be on there, including the ten episodes that have already um, aired in the USA. No waiting for that. Um, all seasons of Discovery will be available, which is good news because Discovery in the UK was pulled off of Netflix. So. You know, the expansion of Paramount Plus is happening. Um, I expect. I'm excited for everyone to see Prodigy for the first time. It's yeah. so good. 
you guys, you're in for a treat. Yeah, absolutely. Now, Lower Decks and Picard remain on Amazon, and I think will remain on Amazon. I mean, maybe after they those series end, you know, they might also end up on Paramount Plus, like years from now, maybe? Or Eventually, I would yeah. assume, yeah. But I expect the entire run of those shows will stay on Amazon, is my, is my guess. Well, Picard, there's only one more season to go anyway. Yeah, good point. But Lower Decks could go forever, in theory. I hope so. That would be <laughs> delightful. Now, speaking of Picard, we have another update from our friend Terry Metalis. This time, it's not so much about season three. It's more about season two. Answering questions that we've asked a million times on our podcast, which is, how does Agnes Durati, as the Borg Queen, going off and being trying to be nice and have voluntary Borgness? voluntary collectives how does that fit into everything that we know about the borg and so he basically well he said very clearly they're an offshoot from an alternate timeline that have stayed out of history's way they are not the the borg and he said i'd imagine the real borg are licking their wounds still in the delta quadrant after alt admiral janeway poisoned them which was of course in the final episode of star trek voyager which was a while back, so you know, mm-hmm. it, you know that. Yeah, I, I wouldn't take that necessarily as canon, but that's kind of the last check-in we had with the Borg. We know they they got mentioned in in Discovery in the thirty-second century, which I think I don't know. That was weird because it's like I've always said they either assimilate the whole galaxy or they get wiped die out. out. Yeah. yeah, it's just hard to imagine the Borg just stopping at the border of the Delta Quadrant and saying, "Ah, that's good enough." Um, we're good we've assimilated enough we feel satisfied (laughs) yeah so this is kind of what we talked about in our review is that it's the only way for this to make sense is that agnes went off and did her own little thing and stayed out of the way of the normal borg but the season finale sort of set up it felt like it was setting something up where there was the big portal or transwarp conduit and she was gonna stay there to guard it and we know she's not in season three. And he said that the, there isn't going to be a kind of Borg versus Borg conflict in season three. I, I don't I'm not sure that that they really were setting something up for season three. I think they gave themselves an option, but I'm I'm not sure that's really what the TNG plot is all about is. Yeah, I don't get that sense either. I mean, either. I I felt like either they were setting something up just for someone to take it and run with it, which he does say, like Terry said on Twitter, he said, you know, I'm sure someone will write that, but it's not the focus of season three. Or, you know, there were definitely, we complained a lot. There were a lot of like loose threads and things that we wanted to know more about and that they just didn't have time to address it or deal with it or really think about it. But I hope he's right that somebody else picks that up because that's a story I want to see. I mean, yeah, you could turn it into a book or comic book. If he's talked about a spinoff. If he were to do a spinoff, you know, or another show, he would do a show in the 25th century. And so the other person to pick up that thread could be him years from now. Yeah, no, and I would love to see the whole thing play out. So there's a lot. There's a lot there to work with. And now that they're doing things in all these different formats, I mean, they're also talking about doing more audio dramas and things. So who knows um, how we'll see it, but it could be interesting. Um, So we have a a little bit of discovery news. 
Um, you know, we always had, you know, heard that uh, they were going to start filming in June, season five. And Wilson Cruz tweeted that he's headed to Toronto um, on Wednesday the 1st. He tweeted that. So I think it's a pretty safe bet that he is going to shoot the season of Discovery, that he's on his way. Are they doing the uh, COVID isolation still? or No, you don't even have to get tested to go into Canada anymore. So he could, in theory, start shooting any day now. I mean, the last we heard is they were going to start production on the 13th. So, you know, but they've probably got some prep to do. And, you know, he's got to sure. get his place sorted out. I mean, it's weird because when you, you know, this, the shooting of the show takes months. You essentially move to Canada for 10, yeah. whatever it's going to be. I mean, it's going to be a 10 episode season. But last year they were at the at it for almost 10 months, which was. Well, weird. it's not going to take that kind of time because one, nobody has to deal with the quarantine and hopefully they won't have outbreaks that, you know, that that make them have to stop or anything like that. I feel like things are we're in we are in better shape now. So they're going to roughly start shooting probably around the time that Strange New Worlds wraps up their second season. We know Picard has already shot a third season, but what but what's weird is we know that there's lots and lots of seasons of Star Trek in the you know in various states of production and post production, but we don't have any dates right now for anything after Strange New Worlds. All we know is Lower Decks is coming this summer. I'm guessing August. And another 10 episodes of Prodigy are coming this year. Um, and that's really the only thing that Paramount has said officially. Yeah, we're waiting for them to tell us all the specific dates so we can plan our podcast as well. But also <laughs> just our viewing. Speaking of when you can learn more, let's talk about some official Star Trek events. There's some bad news for fans in the UK. The the only official UK convention, uh, which was Destination Star Trek, was cancelled. People are really, really bummed about that. And they're also, I think, still waiting to find out what happens with their tickets. Yes. So, you know, there and there is going to be, so there's a London Film and Comic Con in July that will have a tribute to Star Trek and all kinds of guests, but I think people are feeling kind of ripped off. Yeah. Now, the same company runs another Destination Star Trek event in Germany in September, and they're saying that's now the their kind of official European Star Trek convention. So it, it may be, because they haven't announced a 2023 convention, it may be over for Destination Star Trek London. But uh, I think it is, the impression I got from what I read was that that's, they're, they're just going to do one a year and it'll be in Germany. Speaking of Germany, this weekend is FedCon, um, and there's a lot of Star Trek guests. FedCon is a huge, very fun convention. You know, a lot of TNG people are there. Simon Pegg's going to be there. A lot of current show people there. So if you're in Germany... You're in go, luck. You're in luck. Um, <laughs> for us, Lori and I and the Trek movie team, the next convention we're looking forward to is Star Trek Las Vegas. It's in the last weekend of August. Yep. It's not called Star Trek Las Vegas, but we just, you know, everyone still calls it that. Um, We're going to keep, I'm going to keep calling it that. It's it's the 56-year mission. They just announced their 100th guest, which was Robert Picardo. So that looks like it's going to be another fun event and more, more fun than last year, hopefully, because last year COVID was kind of still a big deal. A lot of people canceled at the last minute. I don't expect that's going to be a problem this year. Yeah, I think we're going to get a much bigger turnout of guests. And there are already some great 
names on that list. So I'm excited. The next actual official Star Trek convention is Memorial Day weekend in Mission Seattle. Um, no details on that, but it's a year away. So, but I'll be there. Now, whenever I see events, I think news. So that's why official yep. Star Trek events <laughs> are when they could make a news thing. So I think the next time there could be some news is Picard Day on the 16th, actually, because last year, remember, they released a Picard trailer on Picard Day. So I think we could see a season three teaser on in a couple oh, of weeks. That um, would be super cool. But the next kind of newsy event is Comic-Con, uh, which is the first live in-person Comic-Con in a few years. Um, is on July 22nd. I'll probably be there. Christine will be there. Um, we're, we're expecting at least one, but probably more than one official Paramount Star Trek panel. And then on September 8th, uh, I've been told they're going to do another live event in Los Angeles. If you remember last year, that was a big deal. We got lots mm -hmm. of trailers, lots of news, all of those panels. It was good. There was a lot of stuff. And then uh, and then there's New York Comic Con in October. So we don't know what kind of Trek presence there's going to be there. But uh, if there is one, then I will probably go. So we do have uh, all of Tony's interviews. Uh, is it all of them? Uh, from the Orville. Yes. Tony talked to the producers and writers. He did one interview with them and then another one with the cast. Um, I've, I still haven't watched the first episode, but I will. It's just been a busy week for me. Um, but the things that really sort of struck me about those, um, one is they all were like, the show is not canceled. And they wanted to make it clear to everybody. I mean, nobody knows if there's going to be another season, but they're not operating under the assumption that it's done and canceled yeah, it's not renewed it's not canceled it is on the bubble yes that uh, as i understand some the actors have been released from their contracts but they could bring it back together as i was talking to david goodman about norm mcdonald and how he passed and he talked about how norm did finish his work for season three but he he just said you know but you know if we did a season four we're not sure what we'd do so in their mind they're already kind of thinking about if they did another season how would they do certain things so you know they haven't ruled it out but you know we don't know i yet. think yeah i mean seth mcfarland's doing a lot of things he's a very busy man yeah. So it's like one of those timing things. I mean, it's like the Star Trek movies that we're still waiting for. It's like everybody wants to do it. So <laughs> we'll see what happens. Um, and they also mentioned that there's going to be um, some really great cameos. And they said one big cameo from a sci-fi franchise that nobody knows about yet. I'm guessing. I'm just, you know, I don't know, but I'm going to say it's Mark Hamill. Yeah, I was, it's, it's, that's a really good guess because he's a super funny guy. He's from a very big sci-fi franchise, and yeah. that would be a great coup. He's fun. I hope all of you follow him on Twitter because I think he's just he's an amazing person and and funny and wise. If if you are a fan of what we do in the shadows, um, which is a vampire comedy um, on FX and Hulu, uh, he did a cameo on that, and it was fantastic. Uh, Doug Jones is also on that show, um, and he's very funny on that show. There you go. And then in your um, cast interview, um, you talked to every, I think everybody was there. Well, right? except Seth. No Seth. And at the last minute, Mark Jackson like had to bow out. Um, oh. And, and he plays Isaac, which I was really looking forward to because he's, you know, because the whole fallout over the Kalon invasion, which was a big part of um, episode one of the season, 
you know, it, it would have been fun to talk to him, but I talked to everyone else, um, including the new actress and Winters and, you know, her character basically hates Isaac. That's kind of the new thing that they've put on the show. She's like a sole survivor of, uh, from, from a ship that was destroyed during the attack. So she's not so exactly she's not too yeah. happy to have him on the ship. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And uh, and you asked Penny Johnson Gerald to sort of talk about the difference on set between uh, Deep Space Nine and the Orville. So that's a fun, interesting part for people to read. So get thee to the website. <laughs> okay, I think it's time, speaking of fun, to talk <laughs> about the new comedy episode of Star Trek Strange Two Worlds. All right. Spock amok. Spock amok. Or should it be Spock amok? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what. So this is the fifth episode, and it's definitely different than the other four by de, by design. <laughs> yes. All right. So high level. First of all, I would say this is an episode where y you shouldn't overthink it because they're not overthinking it, or, or maybe they are. But you know, this is a lighthearted episode. It's a fun episode. Yeah, and we've seen stuff like this in Star Trek before. I mean, they're calling it literally a comedy episode. And I think it works well next to the last episode, which was very serious and seven people died. And, you know, so no one died in this episode. I think I, 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 some a jerk got punched. I think that's all we got. Right. So, <laughs> um, you know, the, the, I, li I liked it. I almost wish they went further into comedy because they kept on talking about hijinks. I think there could have been more hijinks. Well, I think the talking about hijinks was meant to be in direct contrast to how they actually chose to handle it, which is one of the things I liked. I mean, I'll, I should do top level first. Um, Cause that was a big point of mine. Like I thought it was, even though I had a couple of like really big sort of issues with some of the premises that they were working with, I did find the whole thing thoroughly enjoyable. That's about as top level as I can get. Big issues. Enjoyed the heck out of it anyway. Yeah, I liked that there were multiple storylines. You know, obviously there was a kind of a main story, which was really the Spock and Dupring, which kind of folded into the Pike diplomacy story. So those combined were kind of the big story, I guess. Well, and it wove into Chapel and Ortegas also. It just didn't really get too involved with the La'an number one story. Yeah, everyone kind of had something. The only person who really didn't get anything to do was Uhura, who was kind of part of the Pike diplomacy story, but she just kind of walked around next to Pike. She didn't really do I know. Anything. Well, I was like, what is she doing? Like, she's taking notes. She doesn't need to take notes. They don't, you know, you don't need a person to do that. She was observing, you know, this was, you know, because she's going from department to department right. to do, you know, this was her diplomacy, you know, uh, credit uh, for the Academy, I guess. But right. it, it would have been nice to throw her a little bit like because, you know, Pike made the big revelation of the aliens. I guess there was only kind of one aha moment. So to give it to her, you know, you still want to give that to Pike, but maybe she could have. Yeah, she could have started it and started to notice, and then he could have been the one who put it all together into what to do about it. Yeah, but no, but that's a a minor quibble. But everyone else, you know, there there were kind of main actors in each one. Like you know, the the, the chapel kind of had her own thing, and Mabenga and Ortegas were along for her ride. I, I, but I really liked how Ortegas's chapel's wingman or wingwoman. 
Right. I am loving Ortegas and just wishing that they'd give her more. I find her so fun, even with the little tiny bits that she gets. The main thing, of course, is uh, this was promised as a body swap episode. Uh, You know, I guess the first time I watched it, I didn't know that. But if you watched it like this week, you'd probably heard that because it'd been teased out there. And you may have wanted a bit more body swap. It was not, you know, it it happened like roughly halfway through the episode. And um, I don't know. I think we could have, I don't know. Do you think, would you wanted more body swap stuff or was there just enough? I have to say, I thought there was just enough. I And I thought that I was so happy. I wanted to just thank them for not having them do some elaborate deception with their crewmates. Like, I loved that immediately they're just like, we got to tell them. And then they tell them. Because it would have just been stupid otherwise. Like, I like funny, but I don't like dumb. Right. Well, because the hijinks from all body swap movies and situations is the deception or the attempted deception which we which still got a little still bit had, yeah they still had to do it but when it came to the important people like pike chapel they just told them and i was and i was so happy that they did that because i don't think it took away from the fun of what was going on um separate from the whole issue of wow body swapping got super easy um <laughs> So again, like those are the kinds of things where it's like the premise isn't clicking, but the results are good. And I guess I wish that I could have it all. But if I can't, at least I'm glad I was entertained. Of course, you know, the the thing about it is you have two Vulcans body swapping and, and part of the joke there is, you know, are they really that different? In fact, when they go, oh, you know, Captain, you could clearly tell how different we are. And he's right. like, yeah, right. You know? So yeah, he's like they say by our very different mannerisms, and he's like, uh huh. <laughs> yeah, he was the funny. I mean, so let's let's talk since this is kind of the funny episode. Let's talk about people's humor chops. I think Anson Mount had some really good comedic timing. He had some good lines. Jess Bush did as well, um, and showed that she could do pretty well. And Ethan Peck as well. Yeah, I agree. I thought no, I thought everybody was funny. Sure. I liked Mbenga's hat. <laughs> he got a lot out of that, a lot of humor out of that hat. Right. And I like which, well, I was worried you were going to wear a silly hat. Like yeah. <laughs> that part was good. I mean, he was barely in it, but he did have some fun. And there were a lot of good lines. I, yeah, I thought everybody played the comedy just fine. Yeah. I, I think, you know, the one character that I don't think they have a handle on yet, I hate to say it, is number one. Yeah, I, I agree. I think they don't really know who she is. I think they they say she's one thing, but she doesn't act like that thing at all. Like the idea that people are terrified of her or think she's not fun. Not only has that not played out in the episodes preceding this one, but also in this episode when they're cross-examining the two, you know, junior people who are, you know, doing bad things. Um, she's all sweet and loving. Yeah, but th- there was a reason for that. D- d- yes, but that is... That you saw the difference in their tactics. They both succeeded, right? But yes, her choice, but she, want, she wanted to play bad cop, but Laon called bad cop. Yeah, I just, I feel like that's just, it's still, it matched more with who she has proven to be all along anyway. Yeah, I mean, they, in a way, they they were acting like, because Laon was on 
you know, brand for being Laon, right? And although she was kind of funny in the di- diplomacy scene when she goes, uh, sir, I should go do security things. Like that was when she kind of slowly backed out of the uh, diplomacy meeting. But I thought that overall, I thought she was good because she is kind of stiff. That's kind of her thing. Yeah. Well, she's, I wouldn't say stiff, but grim. She's grim. And I did think that line was funny. But in a, in a weird way, they just said, and Una's just like that this episode. She's exactly the same. Right. Which she has yet to be. So that's the thing is she's, she isn't that. She hasn't been that so far. And in fact, I feel like her relationships, like we, we get a sense of her relationship with La'an. I really want to see her and Pike doing stuff together. I want to see Captain and First Officer. And I want to see what their relationship is like. And I feel like we haven't seen it yet. But that's what isn't in the episode. And we should talk about what is. Exactly. Yes. Um, <laughs> I mean, what, what, what was good about this episode is it actually had a theme. It actually had a... Yeah. A, you know, which was basically all about understanding and compassion and well, and putting yourself in someone else's shoes, right? Empathy, right? So the aliens yes. that radical know, empathy, as they said, yes, the aliens kind of gave them the answer to the question at the beginning, right? Yeah, like, we're we're into empathy. Pike was listening, uh, which shows that that's important in a relationship to listen properly. Okay, but let's talk about relationships for a second, if we can. The whole one of the other premises I thought was weird was that the premise is that you're supposed to be less like not so dedicated to your job if you're going to be in a relationship, which to some degree I understand like work life balance, sure. But I mean, if you want to make a correlation to let's say army spouses. Like, they can't say, don't go do your army responsibilities because I need you to be with me. That's not really an option. And I thought it was sort of weird that to bring, I know she doesn't like Starfleet. So I tried to attribute it more to her dislike of Starfleet. But the idea that it's not Vulcan to dedicate yourself to your duty instead of your relationship did not click for me. Well, on one hand, you know, they were betrothed before it kind of, had no choice in that because that was an arranged marriage well she did propose to him again recently yes and she did know at that point he was in starfleet right that's a good point and there there was a little bit you know the whole thing of they set it up where she's on the ship but she's it was weird like she was at the station as part of her job, but she wasn't actually going to do her job her friend her colleague was going to do the job right so she was in his quarters you know, with, with dinner. Right. So they kind of turned her into a housewife when he's coming home late from work and she's there looking at the cold dinner. It was such a cliche. She was literally (laughs) doing nothing when he walked in. She was just sitting there. Yeah. It felt a little old fashioned almost, uh, you know, the way they set them up. And, and that she kept claiming that was like a Vulcan. It was a non Vulcan thing of him to be dedicated to his duty, which I didn't click at all. But I still kind of like how they've introduced this new dynamic to Spock of not only is he, you know, battling his Vulcan and his human sides, but he is battling his duty versus relationship, you know, which is the work-life balance. And in a way, this is kind of the only way you could have to bring in the show, because obviously later to bring 
rejects him. And so they're setting it up where they're giving the reason for the rejection, which is that he basically was a distant boyfriend um, because he chose Starfleet and they're, they're showing right. us Although, how that started. Right. I mean, in the, in the original series, she also talked about how he was sort of more of a legendary figure than a person. But and that's so all she, part of his, he chose, he's all, choosing Starfleet over her is, right. is, is, is all of that. Right. And I, I can buy that. That's the setup for that. I mean, the only, the part that I have a little bit of trouble with is just how uncomfortable he was on the original series with having anybody understand that he had a fiance, that he had a romantic relationship, that the way, the way that it worked in. And, and here he's like happily showing everybody that he's having sex and has a girlfriend and getting advice and whatever. So, I mean, it's a definite contrast. Didn't take away from my enjoyment, but absolutely does clash with what, he would become and it seems weird that you would be so freewheeling and then so tight-lipped well he obviously goes through some transformation where he sure relationships become less important to him and he doesn't want to talk about it anymore well it's no but he he doesn't just not want to talk about he's he talks about how it's a cultural thing and it's very private i mean he really digs into how private and what a big deal it is for him to discuss it with anybody at all however in this episode, it's we're in a different place. I just think sometimes they play a little loose and it doesn't work. And sometimes they play a little loose. And even though it doesn't actually connect and you couldn't watch those back to back and be like, oh, yeah, no problem. It was it was mostly a fun episode anyway. I mean, they were, you know, they were certainly aware of Amok Time because the episode started with the most classic yes. Amok Time moment. What did you think of that? I don't know. Like, because, I mean, it was, you know, it was basically a full on recreation down to cutting open the, the tunic and everything, you know. Yes. And, and so one would say, does Spock, can Spock somehow sense his own future? You know, is 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 the force strong with him? You know, uh, but I that's when I get back to let's not overthink it. It was fun, and I was fine with it. You know, the the fight music was fun, and and uh, so sure, why not? Yeah, I thought. I mean, it was the sort of the biggest fan wink of all time, except that it was also sort of joyful in a way. Like it was, I knew right away it was a dream. Like it was easy to figure out very quickly that it was a dream didn't take long. And so once I knew that, I thought, well, they're just it's it's almost like you can they're playing with their toys. And I kind of don't blame them for playing with their toys, because it was probably so much fun to do. And it looked great. It, it, the- it went on a little longer than it had to, but it looked great. And the psychological implications of human Spock fighting Vulcan Spock, that part was great. And that makes sense. It was fun. You know, and they they definitely spent a lot of time making that look right. And they you know, the yes. prop, the props were fantastic, the bells, the lurpas, you know, the outfits. No, you know, that's probably why they didn't want to do just a short thing because they definitely spent a lot of money on that. Um, right. And we, you know, we got other elements of a muck time. You know, the the ritualistic speaking to each other stuff. Although I didn't think they did that very well. I have to say, when they were doing that beginning part where they were so you know parted and never parted or whatever i thought they 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 didn't sell it 
they were almost, uh, especially Spock's side was, was almost like he was doing it out of, um, you know, routine. Yeah, maybe that was the point. If that was the point, because I'm, I just, you know, I, I like my Vulcans to be a certain way, and I felt like she wasn't quite where I wanted her to be. Especially the way that Arlene Martell played it on the original series. She's so stiff at that point after all these years have passed. But what I really did like was the clearly they sort of backed up to Pow, and that the Vulcan pronunciation of Spock is Spock. Yeah. And I was happy to hear. I was like, oh, that's great when they started speaking Vulcan. And I thought once the episode got rolling, she did a better job or was maybe more comfortable with sort of who she was supposed to be. And I thought they did a great job at being each other. Yeah. I mean, there were, you know, even though we were joking about it, there are clearly differences. It's it's more difference of how much they know about each other and and experiences with those around them. But there are still subtle differences. So, yeah. I mean, you know, it's this was a daring episode to do so early on because you know have you established your characters enough especially her who's only been in one episode to sell a body swap which they have i mean and i also i i keep thinking like if i'd never seen any other star treks then i would have just thought it was just a fun romp yeah exactly well i mean so in terms of their relationship where do you feel we have netted out like we know we know where it's headed you know eventually but do you think we're going to see more of her this season do you think uh, they have like a good thing going well i i think we're going to see more of her this season for sure I, I i and probably into next season but what they what they've done in this episode and and this was is they've started the pivot they've laid the foundation for why she is going to move away from him um, they've also started the pivot towards Chapel realizing that she's got a thing for Spock. I mean, we've seen a little bit of that before, but that final scene where she realizes, like, you know, maybe there is someone who's worth having a relationship. Um, unfortunately for her. <laughs> um, it's not going to work out. <laughs> yeah. I also really liked her conversation with him where he th is thanking her and she says it's no big deal. And he says, no, it's a big deal to me. And then her advice to him is to try to be honest with what you can and can't offer, she says. And she means within himself. And I thought that had all kinds of uh, layers. There was a lot of good uh, relationship advice in this uh, episode. You know, it was interesting to learn about Chapel. Basically, she comes into this episode saying you know she she's plays the field she doesn't like relationships she doesn't like being tied down um it was actually don't, don't tell roger corby oh sorry <laughs> it was revealed <laughs> that she's um bisexual as well yep she just kind of uh, you know likes to party i mean when the guy shows up for the date she's like let's get out of here like she doesn't even want to bother with dinner she looked like hungry and desperate <laughs> like she looked a little crazy and also he did not look like the kind of guy he didn't look like a fling kind of guy <laughs> well he wasn't he wanted a you yeah know, he wanted to actually have a talk which he uh was, he was bland i thought um <laughs> he had nothing special going on well, but apparently yeah she he looked, writes good poetry apparently but she does she was like let's get out of here like just really that her eyes were blazing she was like bah. 
there was a it was weird when he started talking about let's talk about us like there was a thing where his voice started getting echoey and she was staring off at spock but it it wasn't less about spock and more like it was like she was having a panic attack like he wants yeah he, he wants to talk about quote us and she freaked out yep Maybe we're going to learn some tragic backstory from her about (laughs) why she can't be in a committed relationship. But, you know, eventually um, she's going to want one, at least with Spock. Right. That's going nowhere. Well, although who knows? Like, you know, here's the question. They're not sticking to what went before. Right. So, So, you know, could we see them hook up and get serious and then not serious later? Like have you know? Like, could there be a coming together and then a breakup, and you know that then then you're like, okay, now how does this fit with the Mark? Yeah, it, do- it can't. I mean, it yeah. doesn't. So if they choose to do that, then they're really saying that they're telling a very different story, and in many ways they already are. Well, Pon Far is going. You know, if it's an every seven years thing, then it's going to happen during the run of this show, right? So. Right. We're going to get Pond Far in season two, I bet. Yeah, like... well, they can't resist. So <laughs> I'm sure they're, I'm sure they have a plan for it already. I mean, I do think they have a plan for all this stuff. So we'll have to see where it goes. But I do. Again, there was like, even with Spock, I'm I'm very much enjoying Spock. But again, I had another one of those things where there's a line that if they changed it, it would have been more Spock. And it's after Chapel smacks him on the head. Oh, no, it's after she says, no, it's after she says, she tells him how smart he is. And then she tells him he's also really stupid. And he says, I feel I should have seen that coming. Please elucidate. And I was like, if they'd taken out, I feel I should have seen that coming. That would have been so much more Spock-like. If he just said, please elucidate. They have these moments where they lose him a little bit and then he comes back. And it's it's never him. It's always just a little bit of dialogue that doesn't quite do it. Yeah, I, I see where you went with that. I kind of had a similar thought, but it didn't bug me. And I did like, I think it was right after that, where he kind of uses his Spockness to make a joke about, yes. you know, um, and, and and then he points out that humans are almost as easy as Vulcans to tease, to yes. show that Vulcans do have a sense of humor. It's just subtle. Well, I also, his other great line is, but I guess he's in to Pring's body at that point. And they've been trying all these things that don't work. <laughs> and to Pring, who's Spock, says, we might need a gong. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. See, that's where I love their playfulness. You know, the writers, they're having so much fun. And that's where it's like a great little throwback and it's and makes me laugh and doesn't offend anybody. So let's talk a little bit more about the pike storyline what did you think of the aliens in general they looked great yeah i thought they they looked great i thought they were really interesting it almost reminded me a a little bit of uh remember the scott thompson alien from of course i remember the scott thompson alien someone to watch over me what is that Yes. yes i believe it's in that one you know, I love I love the kids in the hall, and I love Scott Thompson. So yeah, and uh, from Voyager, and you know this. Uh, uh, I don't know why it reminded me of that. You know, but it's kind of like there's an alien, and you kind of just don't know what to make of them. You know, and uh, but in the end, it all worked out. Right. 
Right. I mean, it was, you know, you could, the shift in their tone was obvious. Like if Pike hadn't picked up on it, I would have thought they were just all a bunch of idiots. I, I didn't, who, I didn't like actually April saying, do they suddenly, or someone said, do they suddenly sound Vulcan? It's like, maybe let the audience figure that out. Well, the audience had figured it out. I mean, it's really apparent. Right. They were doing the query thing. And yeah, it was, it was, but which is why it was unnecessary. But I guess then again, it is natural for Pike or April to say that because yeah. it, you know, they're looking at them going, okay, this is weird, right? Right. Um, but it was beyond, you know, I, but the insight was it was more than mimicry. It was a, it was more about empathy. Right. It's Pike who, who connected the dots and figured out what it meant and how to handle it, which yeah. I liked. I also like, did you like his green wraparound? Of course. of course. That was great. I thought that was fun. I have to say the hair I find more hilarious every week. <laughs> and yet I think it's awesome. <laughs> there was lots of little, I mean, this, this episode was full, you know, the, the, the muck time stuff was obvious, but yeah, the green tunic. Number the, one's hair. The, uh, the bullion, um, yeah, the- <laughs> you know, which is, you know, sure it's a TNG species but there's there's plenty of tng species that were probably known to the federation in the 23rd century so i'm fine with the bullion yep and the and bullions are just fun you know so it just kind of tells you it's a fun episode because there's a bullion in it and there was lots of other just tiny little things obviously the hat um (laughs) there was actually a little thing of um explaining why babanga knows how to deal with spock in a muck time I know, was it in Muck Time? No, he's in um, Private Little War and the one with Lucera. Or the one where he slaps Spock and he yeah, he explains it. that he understands Vulcans. Because in here he, he has a throwaway line about how much time he spent studying Vulcan medicine. So now, right. is, you know, so this is why. And, and we think a couple episodes ago, his big secret may be why he ends up not being chief medical officer. So I think they are playing the long game on all of these characters really. And, you know, so they know if there's something a little bit here or there, they're, I mean, obviously the way they did it on discovery was very ham fisted in the last episode. Oh, we're just not gonna talk about that anymore. It's all classified. I think they're going to be much more subtle about it this time. And they are kind of setting things up instead of in the last episode, they're going to like run through 20 things to say, okay, well this, this, and this, it'll explain how it all fits. Yeah, no, I don't think they're doing that. I I agree with you that there's a plan. So, and certain things I don't think they're going to bother with necessarily. I mean, one thing is is will Chapel become more chapely, more demure, more she can quiet? I mean, I, she, I just she, think that's not possible. I think they're I, just going to. They've just changed the character. I mean, you have to accept that they've changed the character because she can't be the woman who then goes on the Enterprise looking for Roger Corby, who loves Spock from afar and and doesn't and can only express it through, you know, caring for him. Yeah. So all that stuff is is gone. They've kept, you know, Chapel always had these really funny moments, like where she speaks to Scotty in a Scottish brogue. There's a really funny moment. I think it's in wink of an eye where Kirk is saying to McCoy, like, I think I'm, I'm going crazy. And she's just totally eavesdropping, like pretending to do stuff in the room and eavesdropping. But this chapel is a very different chapel. Yeah. So let's talk about the 
C story or D story. It's hard to, but we talked a little bit about the lawn and number one story, but I still, you know, it, it was a good, a good source of humor. I thought, I thought the good cop, bad cop routine was fun. And the discovery well, of bingo, which was mentioned before. Yes. Um, cr- created some opportunity to, to have some more hijinks. Well, once that story got rolling, I liked it again at the beginning, in addition to saying that she's where fun goes to die, which she clearly isn't because she's fun. And then the other part where they are talking about how excited they are to be alone on the ship, um, which I actually get. But Una says she's excited to do the duty roster. And I'm like, what is her job? Like, I get that the duty roster is the first officer's job, but I could have thought of a million things that she would have been more interested in doing. Like, it almost reduced her character to making her seem boring. You know, like, it wasn't like I want to dig into some research or do something or fix some, you know, that was such a, a boring choice. So I, again, I feel like they don't know who she is yet. But once they got rolling on the game, I thought that was lots of fun. I love the, um, the turbo lift one I thought was really good. The turbo lift two floor shout challenge. So, but I thought it was good because, um, you know, don't you always wonder like what would happen? You get in the turbo lift and you say where you're going. And what if someone says, <laughs> I feel like it's one of those things that clearly one of those writers had thought about this and was so happy to finally play it out. Yeah. Obviously bingo was a weird name for a list. Bing- yeah. It was a checklist. It wasn't a bingo card. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. They obviously don't understand I, the rules of bingo, I guess, change in the 23rd century. Sure. <laughs> so that, bingo evolves. <laughs> um, but they did mention Uhura mentions bingo. So this is a thing that they set up. So again, showing the, 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 the long game. There was a, they you didn't see, uh, they didn't show it on the thing, but there is a mention of a triple on the screen, which I know at least you, you, you've got to at least be happy they didn't do a triple, but I know one's going to come eventually. I mean, I don't know, no, but I know, you know what I, I mean? I know. And it's, I just, yeah, I just wish they could just leave them alone. <laughs> but there were some other funny ones on that list. There were some good ones like gravity boot hang challenge. Right. <laughs> a that little Star good. Trek five nod there. Yep. Or food replicator challenge durian fruit, which I assume most people know what durian is, but it's this horribly stinky fruit. And I, when I was in Malaysia, they actually would have signs up with a picture of a durian with a circle around it and a line through it saying you were not allowed to have them there because they're so stinky. That's the equivalent of someone at work making tuna fish in the microwave no, or something like that. But a hundred times worse. <laughs> like it just, it's its a disgusting smell. <laughs> um, um, I like to sit in the captain's chair. I mean, obviously, for, that's why it's a junior person activity. The thing is, it was like, it was a good thing for La'an and they kind of just brought Una along and made her boring, I guess, so that she can partake in this because... They really hadn't set her up enough to be this kind of stiff by the book person because, you know, or I guess, you know, she acts by the book because she's the ultimate rule breaker, right? Because she shouldn't even be in Starfleet. Right. And I get like that she's an exemplary officer, but they've never played her as as a serious, joyless person ever. I mean, more so in that short trek with Spock 
where she starts being, they, she ends up, they end up singing, but she starts by being a real hard ass. And I felt like, are they referring to that? Because, you know, a lot of these Strange New Worlds viewers probably didn't see that. We're five episodes in, so who knows where they're going. But I, I feel like of all the characters, they've, even though they've given her this big storyline, she has the most room for improvement on establishing who she is. But, uh, you know, we'll give them some time. I think all the other characters, new and old, meaning people we've seen before, but even if we've seen them before, you know, we now have a good handle on Uhura and all the rest of them. And this episode played to their strengths. Ortegas was on brand. Everyone else I felt was on brand and and, and, and having fun with who they are. Yeah. And cool. I just, I even like the idea that we're getting a sense of just daily life, what shore leave is like for these people and what they would do. And it was a fun choice for an episode to see them on their off-duty time. I, You know what I loved was the... The ship, that the those aliens. Ship. Yes, I mean it reminded me of the ship in Explorers. You know the Bajoran ship that Jake and and uh, Cisco go flying around in. Yeah, and I love that episode. Um, but I thought the ship looked really beautiful, and and especially at the end when Number One and Laan are standing there and they get this beautiful. You know, they sign the thing, and then they get this moment of awe. When they see it, I thought that was glorious. Yeah, it was great. I mean, how a ship like that goes to warp is a big question mark of how they're going to yeah, get home. No. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, maybe, maybe all the sails and stuff are just for show. But it, it has a real warp drive somewhere. On or it that. just goes somewhere else, and then they get on a real ship. Was kind of the impression I got. Oh, because they, they like said that it was. They said it was just used for these like ceremonial occasions. Oh. Oh, so they've got some giant ship somewhere else that, yeah, I kind of, yeah, they have a real ship. Everything about the aliens, especially because they really weren't a big part of this. And I did like how they were very careful about the Romulans because the Romulans got mentioned a lot because all pointed these aliens as they, they live between the Klingons and the Romulans and the Federation want to get through their space. But they, they made it clear that they don't really know what's going on with the Romulans. Right. Uh, They just know that they're there. And they're assuming the Romulans are going to talk to these guys at some point, but they have no actual information. They know a lot about the the Klingons, obviously. They mentioned the Klingon war multiple times. Um, Right. Well, yeah, because they've had dealings. Well, this station, if if you remember during Discovery, was taken over by the Klingons. And, you know, it was it uh, they defaced it. Well, they mentioned in this one that they rebuilt it after the Klingon war. Yeah. Well, because the Klingons probably killed everybody inside. It was mm. not very pretty. But they mm. left the trees. That was nice of the Klingons, I guess. Sure. See, they they, they, <laughs> they they had no issues with the trees. They were not anti-tree. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, look, humor on Star Trek can be tricky. And I feel like, especially I found the, you know, next generation Voyager type of humor sometimes was just cheesy and didn't work. <laughs> A lot of times they thought they were funnier than they were. And I thought this, they were funny with everything they tried to be funny with. I think they succeeded. Something that helps and, and, and something they didn't do well in the TNG era was the use of music to set the tone. And so, you know, the music here was light and fun and it helped make the episode feel that way. 
Uh, yeah. In general, I like the way that they're using music in this. And the, you know, the throwbacks to original series, it doesn't have to be mentioning things. They do it stylistically. And I'm enjoying that, like with Pike's outfit, with number one's hair, with those kinds of things. We just have these moments that are fun little throwbacks for those of us who love the original series. They don't interfere with anything for people who didn't watch it. And I, I'll take as many of those as they want to throw in. You know, it's it's in the spirit of the the show. And last week, you know, we we just got so bogged down in talking about the minutia and the details and the kind of the letter of the law. But the spirit of the show is coming through, especially here. And I think that's always more important. Right. Well, and, I think my objection last week was that I felt the spirit wasn't, but this week it definitely was. Okay. Well, let's. Ah, uh, you started it. <laughs> Fair, fair, fair enough. Fair enough. Um, I was not going to touch that. Um, <laughs> the message boards are still, whatever, the, the comments are still crazy. Um, <laughs> but this one, they, they, the playfulness was definitely the right tone and yet modernized. Like that great when, when Chapel and Ortega see to Pring. And Ortega says, hard to tell, but does she look pissed? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, it's funny, but it's modern and it works. Yeah, she was great all episode long, even though she kind of didn't get her own story. I'm waiting for her to get her own story. She needs one. Someone who didn't get anything was Hemmer. He wasn't even here this episode. Yeah. I imagine they're like, how do we do something funny with Hemmer? I, I mean, it's possible. But I guess they just, I don't know, it was just a one thing too many. They should have just sent him somewhere fun and said where he was going and made that the joke. Like maybe he could have been on the fishing trip. That would have been great. If he'd gone, if the two of them had gone fishing <laughs> and he'd been wearing a silly, you know, been given a silly hat or by the end of it put on. A, I mean, there wasn't time for them to have a story, but they definitely that would have been really great. And I, you know, I'm, I love him. So I want to see more of him. And I'm also very eager. They're They're great. They're pairing people up and having relationships, but there are more combinations that I want to see. I'm itching for for some more. I want to see Hammer with Pike and number one with Pike and Ortegas with, I don't know, Spock. You know who had a, a fun little moment was Kyle. Well, I love, they say Kyle's mean, <laughs> not Kyle. He's so mean. It's like, <laughs> he is? <laughs> right. That was funny. And then there was the when number one asked Kyle if he's heard about the name, um, her nickname, and the way he tries to weasel out of not having heard it was great so um yeah that that was it was all fun everything was fun and if you don't like this episode you're you know, probably taking things a little too seriously exactly i mean look i i can get up in arms about the katra switching being just so cavalier oh, we'll put some sea urchin on your head problem so don't like forget the crystals so remember what a big deal it was with Kirk and Janice Lester. Now there was this ancient machine and it was resurrected like this whole, it's such a big deal. And then it's just like, floop. Oh, it happened by accident. The candles went out. Floop. And I thought, well, it's, it's a bit of a sort of a farce anyway. Well, okay. So let me headcanon that in that first of all, <laughs> it's, it's Vulcans. So they're telepathic. That totally changes the rules here you know, between two humans. Um, and Babenga explains it subtly. He's like, there was, a, it was something about the emotion that Spock was at a heightened level of emotion, which is why the ritual 
or worked too well, perhaps. Uh, one thing is, why does Spock? I mean, there were so many candles in his room, and there was a it, lot of candles. And it he was manually lighting them. Like how long? Because Michael Burnham had the automatic candles, right? Right. Her, you know, it's like why doesn't Spock? But Spock is so old school; he doesn't want the automatic candles. But uh, it must have taken him an hour to light all those candles. I know. <laughs> <laughs> and it's a fire hazard too. So well, Pike's got a big giant blazing fire in his quarters. So <laughs> everybody true. needs to chill on the fire. There really should be a no fire rule. Spock's quarters are huge, and he's not first officer. Remember? Yeah, he's just a lieutenant, and his quarters are gigantic. Whereas poor Uhura um, just sleeps in basically a drawer. <laughs> I mean, it must be quite the upgrade when you move up the ranks there to, you know, get a get an actual room there. Yeah. Um, <laughs> anyway, now now we're in the minutia. I sure. know this we're- is minutia. The the other stuff not so much, but this is. But it just it was just a good. It's so funny because the first time I saw this episode, I was a little bit. I was more annoyed. I was like, this is sort of annoying. And again, it's so much my mood. And so when I was in a good mood and I watched it, I was, I was like, this is a blast. No matter how many little, little points I argue with, or I think don't make sense. I just was having a blast the whole time. And when Laan turns to number one and says, people are idiots, you're fun. I was like, I'm an idiot if I'm not having fun. Well, this show shouldn't be binged. I mean, we always talk about, especially Picard, you should binge it that we're watching it the wrong way. Oh, yeah. Um, whereas this show very much shouldn't be binged. If you watched last week's and then this week, one after oh, the other, your brain would just melt. I mean, it just doesn't fit, but that's the point. They're not trying to make, I mean, they, yes, there are character arcs and that's why they do. And I think it is important. The little thing they do at the beginning of previously on these aren't storylines. These are just like, Remember, this is this aspect of this character because the show is serialized in terms of character. And but overall, you, you you can walk into this thing cold, and you should have a week in between episodes. And you could watch this one first, you know, if you know, just to tell someone, yep. you know, that I don't feel like you really need to watch any of these episodes in order. You could just watch any of the five we've seen so far and get a a sense of the show, not the full sense of the show, you know, which is totally not possible with the other shows, obviously. Right. But it is with the original series. Of course. I mean, the original series, I mean, even when they made the first pilot, they never real. that was before pilots were pilots. It, it, it starts mid mission. You know, they, they, they didn't go through the whole, let's get the crew together and let's launch the ship thing. Back in those days, they're like, here we are. Right. And, and, and weirdly, like they shot, I, hopefully I've got this right. They shot Corbin might maneuver first when they yep. finally went ahead and decided let's do it. But then they decided to show the man trap first because it had a monster in it and they thought kids would like that or whatever. You right. Know? And it was fine because it doesn't matter. Right. Although, you know, when you think about it as a first episode, Corbin might maneuver is much more what the show is about. Yes. Yes, for sure. It's a better Star Trek episode. I, I mean, when you look back at the matchup, you're like, why did they kill it? They didn't have to kill it. Yeah. There okay. was... <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> okay, now we're now we're let's... now I'm nitpicking the show from 1966. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> now we're into the minutia sub minutia 
paragraph five. Let's move on. Well, let's... I will object to your term minutia, but let's move on. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> well, some things are important. No, no, I meant fair enough. It's not minutia. It's a we're now we're sidetracked. How about that? <laughs> fair enough. <laughs> Thank you, Your Honor. OK, we need judge duty. If it pleases the court, I think we should move on. I agree. Thank you. All right, so that's it for our review. Let's talk about our bits of the week. Tony, why don't you start? Mine is a tiny little thing. Uh, The biggest movie in the world right now is Top Gun Maverick, so Paramount Pictures is super excited about that. And there's a tiny bit of Star Trek in there because one of the characters, his call sign is Fanboy, and uh, the way it's written on his helmet um, is with the Star Trek font. So Paramount got a little little bit of Star Trek into one of their other big franchises. Do we know anything about like why or how that happened? Like was that an actor choice? No, a I've set tried, designer choice? I think it's a set designer. It's not really explained. He's a weapons officer, which is the guy who sits in the back seat. He's described almost like a, a fanboy of the Navy, really, but for some reason they wrote it in the TOS font. Um so there you go. Well somebody's a fan. Somewhere yeah. somebody's a fan. <laughs> But I, I mean, the the good news is Paramount is super jazzed about having a mega hit on their hand, and you know Hollywood is saying is now saying the movies are back, you know, because the movie attendance has been down a bit, um, and this could only put them in a a better mood to greenlight a certain Star Trek movie, sure, that needs to get out of the endless development cycle. Anyway. anyway who knows sometimes you know they the studios do sometimes not draw the right conclusion from these things and they might think oh now we need tom cruise in a star trek movie so you never know i mean that's like everybody's talking about um dr strange and everything everywhere all at once going everybody loves multiverses and it's like i don't think you're paying attention to what it is that people are going for but okay i would not be against tom cruise in a star trek movie not just because of his appeal, but you know, I think it could work. I think it'd be fun if he was a um, a bad guy. But I digress. What is your bit? Yeah, of Yeah, and I'm just not a fan of his. So what can I say? So this is another Twitter follow that I want everyone to do. It's Timothy Peel, who does motion graphics and design for Strange New Worlds. He also worked on Discovery. Um, also works on The Boys, I believe. And he is on Twitter. And if someone posts a graphic and says, oh, I, I, a screenshot and says, oh, I saw this and I'm comparing it to this or I noticed this or I'm curious about that. He goes and he pulls his original files. Sometimes it's a video. Sometimes it's a still. But it's the actual, you know, it's not a screen grab. <laughs> and I And he explains all the details and he wants everybody to see it. And I just think, first of all, it's so generous of him to do that. And it's so great for fans that to live in an era where you can say, oh, I saw this really cool thing on the screen for three seconds and I zoomed in and it's so blurry, but here it is. And then you have the guy who designed it posting it in all its beauty and clarity for you. And it gives you insight into what he's doing. Like if, you know, in the submarine episode, there was that, that graphic that was the kind of sonar and he showed, you know, he posted the video that was shown on screen and then talked about how he was actually inspired by Battlestar Galactic and it like as soon as he said that I'm like oh yeah of course because it was just like or, you know, not exactly but clearly inspired by the similar graphic you would see on the Ron Moore Battlestar Galactica show which I was a big fan of so I would give him a follow if I were you 
So that's it for yet another episode of All Access Star Trek, episode 94. I know, that is crazy. We're coming up on 100. We'll be back next week as we get into the second half of the first season of Strange New Worlds. See you then. <laughs>